Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Thanks, Phil. And I said this morning, it's absolutely amazing to me. I love this guy. And you love him too, don't you? Yeah, absolutely amazing. Now, he's the pastor. And uh, as I said this morning, I'm the postman. Uh, the postman just, he, he delivers letters, but they're not from him. They're from someone else. And every preacher, they deliver. So tonight, you ready for a word from the Lord? Amen. Okay. Now, we're looking at two passages. We're looking at this morning. Now, if you weren't here this morning, don't feel, oh, goodness me, uh, how will I catch up? The two self, um, the standalone messages, but I want to just tie in a little bit. I won't repeat anything I said this morning, but I do want to just tie over a little bit before. And so the two passages we're looking at, if you've got your iPad, your Bible, or your uh, phone, or whatever it is, or, or parchment, or whatever it is, or scroll, <laughs> Uh, Isaiah 52 and Isaiah 61, and if you haven't got it, open up where you are, read it out. And because these are parallel things that to do with what we're talking about, we're talking about you can't experience your destiny until you have been restored if you need restoration. Uh, because if, if you try to get into your destiny, uh, then it won't work because uh, you've got too much rubble and stuff from the past. So let's read the passage again. Awake, awake, O Zion, or we'd say awake, awake, church. Clothe yourself with strength. Put on your garments of splendor. Shake off your dust. Rise up. Sit enthroned, O Jerusalem. Free yourself from the chains on your neck. And then in Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. This is Jesus says this in in Luke's gospel, but he's quoting from Isaiah. He's anointed me to preach peace, preach um, peace to the good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captive, release from darkness for the prisoner, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn, this is restoration, provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So let's just tie up a little bit about what we're talking about, restoration. We can't move into destiny until we've dealt with restoration. But someone said, you know, I've gone through some bad stuff. So we we looked uh, this morning about Things like the dust that we accumulate from bad experiences that we need to get rid of. The ashes of a fire that's gone out, we need to deal with that. And then someone says, well, you know, I was ministered to this morning, John, but, you know, I seem I've lost a lot of uh, momentum. Because I've been dealing with bad stuff and it's been hanging around me and I've been carrying it into my future. So I've lost, you know, I've, I've lost so much. Well, you know, there is an amazing verse in the scriptures and it says this. It's in Joel chapter 2, verse 25 to 27. Get ready for this. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. All that bad stuff. I'll repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locusts, the young locusts, the other locusts, and the locust swarms. The negative stuff that happens in our life from which we need restoration. In the same way as the Bible talks about being uh, negative stuff being dust and ashes, he also talks about locusts as doing. There's two kinds of locusts. In fact, there are many species, but there are two particular kinds. One are runners and one are leapers. Now, they all fly, but some run. So in other words, you can see a locust coming. It's all going to be a locust there. Swat it. You're okay. 
But the others that don't run, they leap. They just come out of nowhere. And the problems that you and I face that are like locusts that the enemy sends, and they're runners. We can see something's going to happen because there are signs of it ahead. Are you with me? If we don't deal with this situation, we're going to have problems. This is going to be difficult. I can see the devil's going to have a gun at some point. This is going to hit. This is going to break. And eventually it does. Now, but there are other things. And how many people have experienced this? We're just happy and it comes out of nowhere. It just flies out of the sky and bang, everything's happy and it's great. Uh, I got a text from my wife a few minutes ago before the meeting started. She says, uh, I was just walking down the drive, he said, and it's really, really bad. And a big branch, we've got an apple tree in our front garden, and it just came down. Thank goodness I wasn't walking on, out under it. But, you know, a nice day, branch comes down, misses it, it just comes out of nowhere. And things like that happen. Now, that's just something, thankfully, she's obviously not hurt. But there's some big stuff that comes in our life out of nowhere. But look what it says in the Message Bible. And this, I want to say this for the, this morning, those who are trusting God for a restored life, I want to come back a little bit more on restoration in a minute. Listen to what it says in the message. I make up, this is for you, I'll make up for you the years of the locust, the great locust devastation. Locust savage, locust deadly, fierce locust, locust of doom. That great locust invasion sent your way. You'll eat. This is God's promise for the destiny now. That's past. This is future. You'll eat your fill of good food. Amen? You'll be full of praises to your God. That's the future, the destiny. The God who has set you back on your heels in wonder. Never again will my people be despised. You'll know without question that I'm in the thick of life with my people. That I'm your God. Yes, your God. The one and only real God. Never again will my people be despised. What a great promise. That's how God moves us from a sense of brokenness to a sense of healing. In Nehemiah's day, there was, it was the, as we said this morning, it was the rebuilding of the walls. That the enemy had broken the defenses, the security of God's people, of Jerusalem. And now he had to repair it. And they began to repair it and they got mocked, as we said this morning. Uh, but they continued on. In fact, they had a praise moment when it reached half its size. I want to say something this morning, you know, if God's doing something in your life and you've not got to where you want to get yet, and you're only halfway there, it's good to stop and praise God because you're reaching half your size. Amen. Do you know what the Bible says? The steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord, and he or she delights in his way. Though he falls or she falls, they will not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds them with his hands. So what we've got, get, get a picture of, of what's happening here. Think, think of a line from that corner to the top there. It's about 45 degrees. Somebody's climbing, and they're climbing, and it's a struggle. They get halfway, and they stop climbing. Now, in Christian life, that happens to us sometimes. We just stop climbing. Yeah, you know, something comes along our way, some pain, some difficulty. We're not progressing. And what sometimes happens is when people stop climbing, you'll get two kinds of people. The people who say, oh, it's terrible, you used to be really moving on in God and you've stopped. Really, you've got to examine what's wrong with your life. You're a bad person, right? And that's one kind of Christian encouragement. <laughs> and then these other ones said, look, you've stopped climbing, but I want to rejoice. You're not at the bottom of the mountain. I've seen you really progress. And I think God's got amazing things for you in the future. I think there's a destiny ahead of you. And we want to encourage you. You know, you, you may be tired, you may be disheartened, but come on. You see, what happens when we stop, we don't fall to the bottom of the mountain. 
We are not utterly cast down, as the Bible says, because God hands is upon us. And listen, if you're building in restoration and you're moving on and you're not where you used to be, don't get discouraged you haven't reached the goal yet. I've got to tell you, I haven't reached the goal yet. The Apostle Paul hadn't reached the goal. He said, I do not consider myself to have arrived, but he says, I'm still pressing forward towards the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. And I tell you, if you doubt for one moment that God can restore a life and change a life. I mean, Pastor Phil mentioned it earlier. And I just want to know if, if you saw how powerful what he said about the Apostle Paul. You know, talk about the gangster that you're going to hear shortly. It's great when gangsters take up the offering because they take it with armalites in one hand and a basket in the other. Uh, but I know that I've got, I've got a good friend of mine who was uh, done for bank robbery in Northern Ireland. And he's pastoring a church of 600 today. It's great. And there, but... Well, when he, you know, Apostle Paul, you know, he says, I am the chief of sinners. Do you remember he wrote that? And we thought, oh, what a humble man, you know. To say he's a chief. Believe me, he was the chief of sinners. He tortured Christians to death. Hello? He would come into a meeting like this and he says, he said, what, he would come into a meeting like this. He'd haul a couple of people out and he'd take you out and you'd be put in a back room. You'd be tortured, you'd waterboarded, whatever you like. You'd be, whatever they did in those days, probably worse torture until you blaspheme the name of Christ. Only when you blaspheme the name of Christ did he, his henchman let you go. I caused people to blaspheme. I forced them. I want to tell you, if God can take hold of a man and turn him round, right, and cause him to write most of what we've got in the New Testament, there's hope for you and me. Amen. Amen. There is restoration. Someone say, there's restoration for me. There's restoration for me. So not only did they deal with this, because this is all about destiny. You can't talk about restoration without talking about destiny, though it has to come before destiny for reasons we mentioned before. But when you restore the walls, you don't just put new bricks in and new stones in. What you do, you have to deal with the rubble. A lot of people don't deal with the rubble. So some time ago, I mean, we've been married 47 years, and I think, you know, we've been in houses and the kitchen's fine, but we're in one particular house, it really needed a new kitchen, so we had, to, we had to put a new kitchen, and the guy comes along. I want to tell you, the first thing that the man, and there's a word of the Lord for somebody here today. Are you ready for this now? When the man comes to my house, to our house, to put the kitchen in, he does not start on day one putting the kitchen in. Do you know what he does? He puts a skip outside and he takes away all the bad stuff. Hello? Before he puts in the new stuff. So when we talk this morning about getting rid of the dust off our feet, then we want to take that thought on a bit further this afternoon because there is rubble to be removed. There's a verse in the scriptures there and uh, it's in Genesis 26:18. You don't need uh, to turn to it. I'll read it. It says, Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up. Now, I could just read that or you could read that in your daily devotion and think, oh, well, there's nothing much in that. Masses in this. Masses. He's in a situation where Isaac is, of course, you know, you've got no water on tap. You're in the desert. And so you're depending on coming across oasis and coming across wells. And so these guys, they come up to this, what clearly looks like a well. And he says perhaps to one of his guys, we just go out and get some water out of the well over there for us. You know, we need some for our, for our cattle and for our, well, not for the cattle, it would be horses probably, for our horses and that. And so the guy goes up to the well and he looks in the well. He says, sorry, he says, there's no water here. Think of that. There is no water here. It is full of rubble. 
right? Take that thought. So instead of, um, instead of Isaac thinking, oh, well, that's, that's rough, and there's no water there. I want to tell you something, friends, this morning. I'm not a structural engineer. Some of you, somebody here this morning is an engineer, a top engineer. I'm not an engineer, but I know this. If you've got a well stopped up with rubble, there is as much water in that well as in a well where there's no rubble. The only difference is it can't get through because of the rubble. And when we say, oh, well, you know, my life's a mess. I've got so much going on there. I've had so much stuff. Uh, Well, that's me. I can't be restored. I can't go into my destiny and so forth. God says the answer is, I could dig a new well. And they did dig his own wells. But he said, you know what? My father did that years ago. And the enemy has come across. And he's filled. The Bible says the Philistines have done it. The enemy. You know, the devil that sends the locust. The devil that sends the dust. the The devil that puts the fire out and leaves us with ashes in our spirit. So he says, you know, we'll dig our own wells, but let's deal with the rubble. And so he said, are you sure there's nothing here? He says, listen, I'm telling you, there's no water here. So he goes in and he says, right, we'll take the top few boulders out. Out they come. The enemy had put, the Bible says, look, the enemy had done it. Sorry, there's no water here. More. Sorry, there's no water here. And then there's a trickle. See, when we look at restoration, we look at we can't get through to God. The Bible's become dry for us. Prayer has become, heavens have become like brass. God says, I want you to go to your well because I'm going to tell you. I don't know whether I said it when I was here. Forgive me if I said it when I was here last time. Perhaps I did, perhaps I didn't. But just, I'm going to say it again anyway. This business about the anointing coming upon us is not theologically right. Hello? Nobody says amen hardly when I say that. In the Old Testament, the anointing came upon Saul. He prophesied, and then he went out and did some terrible things. And then some, the anointing would come. The Holy Spirit came and went upon people, and they did stuff. In, from the day of Pentecost, when the church was born, the Holy Spirit didn't come on you and go off. He came to abide in us forever. Amen. Forever. The Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you right now. When we talk about your destiny and your future... The Holy Spirit is within you. And, you know, so we talked about my garden just now. You know, I've got a chainsaw with petrol in. I don't put the fuel in that thing that I put in my car. It's great for a chainsaw, but it's no good for my car. I haven't got a plane, but if I had a plane, I wouldn't put my car four-star in the plane. Different fuels for different things. There's only one octane of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The, the, oh, Smith Wills was a great preacher. He's a great man, anointed man. Oh, yeah, he was. Billy Graves an anointed, was an anointed man. Yes, he was. We go through Amos Semple McPherson, woman of God of years ago, my great people. I want to tell you, if you're feeling down today, you need to know, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, and the same Spirit that dwells in you, you haven't got two-star and Billy Graham had five-star. It's the same Holy Spirit. And, and, and it's what it says in Romans, if the same spirit, someone say same spirit, if the same spirit that, that is with them, it, it's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that's dwelling in you. But what happens is, well, I aren't I living in that great plain that I want to be because the devil's put rubble in our well. That rubble can be called unforgiveness. It can be called envy. It can be called a load of stuff. And sometimes in our restoration process, it isn't always what other people have done to us. Sometimes we put stuff in our well ourselves. But as we take it up, 
the resource that is always there comes to the surface and we are fine. I will repay you for the years that the locusts have eaten. You see, the locust is the biggest destroyer in the Bible, but the amazing thing is that John the Baptist, what was his diet? Locusts and wild honey. The thing that was sent to destroy, he actually used to feed him to make him stronger. And God can do that in terms of our destiny. So let's go back to the passage. So we've looked at the God dealing with the past, and we're talking about the dust and all that kind of thing. And then it talks about clothe yourself with strength. So our, our restoration has to do with what happened yesterday. Our clothing in God is about what's happening now in us. And when we deal with yesterday and we embrace what God has got for us today, then our destiny is secure. Yeah. We well, say that was the shortest sermon I've ever heard. We don't need to unpack that. Now, when it comes to destiny, again, we do the same thing. Well, God has got great destinies for pastors. He's got great destinies for apostles. He's got destinies for worship leaders and for special people, as we sometimes think. But I want to tell you, friends, there is not a person who has ever been called that God has not a destiny for. Now, that sounds very, very, you know, you've had a big roast lunch today, some of you, aren't you? And you're still thinking, oh, yeah, that one won't say amen to that. But I'll tell you what to say amen to. When did God's destiny start to work in your life? Forget my life or the people's lives in your life. When did it kick in? Now, don't answer it because somebody might answer it and get it wrong and don't want to embarrass you. Right? Well, some people would answer it and say, God's purpose for my life kicked in at the moment I got saved. I can understand you saying that. Some people would say God's destiny for my life kicked in when I was born. But you read Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah was not a confident man. He was a man. We think of prophets as people with long beards, don't we? Abrams must have a long beard and bald head like me. You know, he, they're old people. But these are young guys. The team that Jesus had around him, he, he, he finished his ministry at 33 on earth. And the team he had around him were in the 20s. There weren't many old guys around in that story. Jeremiah was a young man. Isaiah was a young man who only was called. Moses was older, certainly. There were other people that were older. They were older, but many of them were. Do you know what he says to Jeremiah? Because Jeremiah says, Lord, don't talk to me because I'm only, I'm only a child compared with other people. So, do you know, I was with some leaders recently about three or four days ago. And they're asking me, what do I look for? In, it was a kind of a on-the-couch kind of thing, and the leaders are asking me questions. And literally, there's a couch on the platform. They said, what did, in 50 years of being a pastor, what do you look for in leaders? Because for half of my time, I've been a pastor, 25 years a pastor, 25 years pastor of pastors, in one way or another. And uh, I said, you know what I found is the, the people, men and women, who think they're God's gift, don't last it. But the men and women who can't believe that God has actually called them into a leadership role or to a service role and they feel unworthy and they feel less than, they're the ones for some reason that God mightly uses. And Jeremiah was a man who felt absolutely that I am, you know, I'm not, Moses said, why don't you choose my brother? He's more eloquent than me. And this is what God says in Jeremiah 1. Jeremiah Listen to this. Before you were in the womb, I knew you. Wow. 
Talk about pro-life. Before your mum and dad knew one another, I knew you. Isn't that awesome? So how's that possible? Because God knew what he has in store for, in store for us. Why did Jesus go to the cross? Because at that point, he could see your salvation. He could see your changed life. You know, he saw that he was going to bring many sons unto glory, the Bible says. And he could see that, and he's planted the seeds of destiny in our heart and in our life for our future. It's there. So God says you have to deal with the dust, deal with the ashes, deal with the rubble. We've looked at that. Now he said... Having dealt with that and got yourself ready, now's the time to be clothed. And in both of those, it talks about being clothed and ready for the future. So Jesus says to the disciples, as he's going to ascend, he said, he said, wait in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power. So we have power clothes. That's called a baptism in the Holy Spirit. If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, seek God until you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Someone said to me, many times people said to me, well, I can get to heaven without being baptized in the Spirit. As long as I'm saved, I certainly can. I can go through life without two arms and two legs, but I'd rather not. You follow me. We need the power of God within our life. It's part of our inheritance. It's part of our destiny. It's part of God's plan for our life. So we're clothed with power. That's a power clothes, and then God has given us, these are the designer clothes of heaven. God has given us fighting clothes. Put on the whole armor of God. Sword of the Spirit, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, our feet shed with the preparation of the gospel. Put on the fighting clothes. But more important than anything else, the Bible, Paul says, put on Christ. Put on Christ. Now, it's incredibly difficult. I know how to put my jacket on. You know how to put your, your clothes on this morning. That's not hard. But how do you put on Christ? So in another passage, Paul says, I told the church in Colossae about, in, in Ephesus about putting on Christ. But I want to say to you in Colossae, to make it clear, he who has been baptized into Christ has been clothed with Christ. Now, this is to do with our destiny. This is to do with our destiny. If you've been baptized into Christ, you've been clothed with Christ. Well, when you read that, it's even more complicated. I'm assuming there's a baptismal tank under here, is there? Down here. So there's a baptismal tank down there. And I want you to imagine two people are going to get baptized. One is a very uh, rich woman. She's very, she's got all the bling. She's there, beautiful hair. It costs her 200 pounds to have her hair before she gets baptized. <laughs> 200 quid. Can you imagine that? Think of the money I save in life. I can't believe it. And you, Danny, as well. We're both there. And so she's got all the bling and she's had an amazing education. And when she gives a testimony, she's using all these words and, you know, we thought she must be an orator. And she's obviously very educated. She's got a lot of money. And there she is. And you can work out she's worth a few quid because the way she's dressed and the hairdo and all that kind of thing. Then next to her is this man. He's got no education virtually. Played most of his time, truant most of his time in school. He's just there looking as if he's just been sleeping all night under a bush, a bit like me probably. So he's just been just really casual and he just struggles to get any words out. So everybody in the congregation is now, this is before they get baptized, everybody is aware of the great differences between a very educated, wealthy lady and an uneducated, not wealthy man. Are you with me? Yeah. Then they go into the water. Then they go under the water. Then they come out of the water. Where's the 200 quid hairdo? <laughs> you see, when they come out, there's only one thing you notice about them. They are wet. 
All that you can see is the element that they were baptized in. All they can see. The differences this side of the... Because that's what the baptismal tank is about. It's about dying to ourselves and being risen for Christ. So there's loads of differences about all of us perhaps there. But when you're a Christian, what people need to see about us is not our... And there's nothing wrong with fashion. And there's nothing wrong in that. If you've got a nice house, well, God bless you. And, and if you've got a drive, I drive a nice car, nothing wrong in those things. Possessions are not wrong until possessions possess us. Okay? So there's nothing wrong in all those things. But fashion very often can be unearned acceptance. It says, don't look at my lifestyle, look at my style. And it can be a kind of a front. Many celebrities hide behind that. Their relationships, you know, uh, are going nowhere. But they've got all the expensive stuff. And so you're saying, wow, isn't she well turned out? You can hide behind that. But the Bible says God looks for the church. A church, a woman of God, a man of God with destiny to be clothed with him. Now that affects how heaven sees us. Because when he looks upon us... When the Father looks upon us, he doesn't see John Glass. He sees I am clothed with Christ, and he sees Christ's righteousness, not my failing. It affects how the devil sees us, because there's only so far he can go in any of our life, in touching your life. You know, even Job, who went through all that horrible stuff, God says, you can do A, B, and C to him, but there are limits, because he belongs to me. You can't take his life. There's things you can't do. But also affects... How we treat one another. You know, our destiny is tied in not just to our biblical knowledge. In fact, it's hardly tied into that very much, really. It's not into our biblical knowledge. It's not how long we've been a Christian. I'm a third-generation Pentecostal pastor. My father and grandfather were that. But, you know, my future, my destiny is not designed upon the the family line. It's 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 defined by the blood of Jesus. You know, the guy who's you've got coming in, who I'd love to hear, the ex-gangster, he's as much got a destiny as I ever had. I thank God for my parents and all that stuff, and my grandparents and the stuff I obviously learned from them. But that's not the important thing. But it also affects how we treat one another, because how we treat one another really affects our future destiny ourselves. It really does. Right, so we're just going to do a little experiment. There's a lovely lady, she was here this morning, she was in Wigan um, when I was preaching two days ago. Is she still here? There she is, right there. So you saw me do this in Wigan, not you didn't hear me preach this message, otherwise you wouldn't be here, would you? You've already heard it. But this is what I'm going to do now, I did mention, and I told them that I was coming to your church. So I want you to do something now, and I just want you to notice the number, count in your head the number of people who are doing it. I'm going to ask a couple of people to touch my arm. All I'm asking you to do is to tell me how many people touch my arm. So would you like to just do that? You're not going to get an anointing or anything like that, you're not going to fall over. It's just an illustration, don't, don't be worried. All right, just count in. Counting, counting, how many? Nobody touched my arm. Everybody touched my clothes. Now, I'm not being clever, but you see, if I'm clothed with Christ, or if put it like this, if you're clothed with Christ and I offend you, do you know what? I've offended Jesus before I've offended you. And that will affect my destiny. That will affect my destiny. You know, people hurt you, and people do bad things against you. And you say, isn't it amazing? These people have done this, and, you know, I just have to live with this. And I, when's God going to ever intervene on my behalf? 
Oh, God's going to intervene. Believe me. Believe me. We don't avenge ourselves. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. But you see, what happens is, at communion, when we take communion, 1 Corinthians 11 says, Let a man examine, or a woman, of course, examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily does not discern, does not understand the body of Christ. And for this reason, many are weak and sickly among you, and some have even died. Wow! You know, every community service should have a government health warning. Now, if there's anything touch it, you see, how we discern the body of Christ, how we treat one another, affects, and you say, well, John, it's a bit far-fetched, that story about touching your arm. Where do we see that? Well, let's go into what Jesus said. Jesus said to his disciples one day, he said, uh, you know, and these guys, they've got, these guys have got the destiny to change the world, turn the world upside down. You know, there's 550 million um, Pentecostals, charismatic Pentecostals in the world today, which is not bad out of 120 in an upper room, is it? No. Eh? And we're just part of the body of Christ. We're just part of the body of Christ. And it starts with these few men, all with their failings, getting in touch with Jesus. Judas forsook him, Jesus, but at the cross they all forsook him and fled. Judas betrayed him, but they all forsook him. You think of the broken lives of those people. Peter losing his temper. You know, we could go through the whole lot. You know, you've seen all, you've seen all of that. So Jesus once says, I want to thank you guys. Uh, you know the days when I was in prison and you visited me? And they said, sorry, we didn't, uh, we didn't do that. Well, you remember that day when I was really hungry and you gave me some, your food? He said, we didn't do that. Do you remember that day when I had any clothes to wear and he gave me your clothes? He said, we didn't do that. And he pointed to the poor and he said, as much as you did it unto them, you did it unto me. The way we treat one another will affect our destiny and it affects God's understanding of who we are. Now, I'm quite sure that when people... I can almost feel a sense of disappointment in some people saying, don't you? It, it, great first meeting this morning. Uh, how to deal with the stuff in my life. And throw off the dust and deal with the ashes and all that kind of... And I can't wait for this afternoon when I'm going to find out all the good things that are going to happen to me and he's going to prophesy all these things over my life. And it hasn't happened. Probably it's not going to happen because what happens is we, what we do is we position our life to get into a position where we deal with stuff that needs restoring. We clothe ourselves with God's power and holiness in today. And that guarantees that God will then take us up and use us in the future. Because every one of our destiny is going to be different. Every one of our destiny is going to be different. That's God's promise over our life that that will take place so he deals with yesterday see when when God spoke to Abram Abram was in a really hard position his uh, nephew Lot had left him um, he was the most wealthy man on the face of the earth in those days um, he had lot he had loads of cattle and field and you know his nephew decided uh, he wants to split from him and so I said well okay if that's what you want to do you go and you take the best land if you want and he's, in, he's, he's looking a bit down and God says I want you to do something he said, I want you to lift up your eyes from where you are. I want you to look north, south, east, and west. And so he looks. South is where I've come from. 
East and West is the people who are traveling with me, who are encouraging me today. And North is the future I'm going into. It's my destiny. So when we look at restoration, God deals with our yesterdays. All right? Get that sorted. Deal with the rubble. Deal with the dust. Open the well. Get refreshing. Then we get clothed with power. We, get, we, we, we live lives secure. Put it on the armor of God and this kind of thing. Clothed with Christ, as I've said. And that gets us ready for today. We look around at the people who travel with us, east and west. And then God says, lift up your eyes from where you are. Look from where you've been, who's traveling with you, and where you're going. But he said, now, I don't want you to just stand there and thank me for it. I want you to start to walk into the land which I'm giving you. Start walking into it, which brings me to my final point about our destiny. Because what does it say here? Awake, awake, O Zion. Clothe yourself with strength. Shake off your dust. Rise up. Someone say rise up. Rise up. I have to do something now about what I now know. So if I've got to deal with dust, if I've got to deal with, if I've got to deal with the ashes, if I've got to deal with the rubble in the well, uh, when I clothe myself with Christ, I'm trying to live right before God. I'm trying to seek God for his power, get in the presence of God. Uh, if I can do all of those things, then I'm in the right place for God to take me on into my future. But I've got to walk into it. I've got to, walk in, got to walk into it. And so this is, this is the same thing as it says in Isaiah 61. He said, I've provided for those to grieve, who grieve in Zion. I want to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, refreshing instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Rise up, sit enthroned. So let's take three people as we close now. And you can identify, I'm sure, with one of them. We're going to take Gideon, who's making wheat in a wine press. The whole place has been, um, the land has been ravaged and people are stealing the food. If you find anybody who is, who is making any bread, they steal it from them and so forth. And he's hiding in a pit and the angel comes to him and he says, Gideon, I want you to rise up out of this pit of depression and go in the strength that you've got. You haven't got strength to lead the nation, but you've got strength to get out of the pit. He says to David, you're only a boy, but I want you to rise up and face Goliath. He says to Deborah, you're a woman in a culture that doesn't appreciate women ministering and in leadership. But he said, I want you to go and lead this nation. You have to rise up. Friends, I want to tell you this. Destiny is not getting more Bible knowledge. Destiny is not just attending more services. Destiny is being willing to rise up and move into the future God's given you. Otherwise, we just end up knowing more, believing more. It's about moving into a future that we already have prepared for us in God. Let me close with this. We're going to have a time of ministry and we're going to pray together. The, uh, those of you who have been to London um, from time to time, will, you know, St. Paul's, what a great place. But of course, many years ago, hundreds of years ago, it was devastated by the Great Fire of London. And um, it was just rubble. We talked about rubble earlier. Just a load of rubble. And so they got an architect. And they said, we want you to, after the fire of London, we want you to go and rebuild something to the glory of God and, uh, on that site. So Christopher Wren goes onto the site, and it's just rubble. And as he's walking along it, through all the rubble, there's nothing there. There's not a wall in place. And he trips over. And he stubs his toe on some masonry. And this masonry had been part of an Easter presentation uh, that had been there about the crucifixion, the stations of the cross, probably something like that. 
and uh, it, it starts off with Calvary and so forth, gets through to the resurrection. And this, it just says um, four words. It's just a mission with four words in it. And he's just thinking to himself, you know, I don't think we can do anything with this. Um, it's just rubble. And the thought, four words that were on that piece of masonry in which he stubbed his toe was, I will rise again. Do you know, whatever you're going through right now, whatever history, whatever history you have, it will not spoil God's destiny. It will not spoil when we believe that we will rise again. We have to deal with it. We have to move that from the site. They have to then get ready, put themselves into action. They need to rejoice even when the building is growing and not reached its full height. Continue to rejoice in it. To not listen to the devil's lie to say that we, we can't do it and we're going to fail. You know, Sam Ballot said to Nehemiah, even if a fox leans against it, it will fall over. It will rise again. Moving into the destiny that God's got for life. Let's stand together and pray and worship God together and believe for God. I'm going to read these texts over your life again now as we finish this afternoon. Awake, awake, O's church. We're going to say church because the people of God in the New Testament. Clothe yourself with strength. Do you know what, do you know the truth, friends? God never does anything for us that we can do for ourselves. We're expecting God to drop destiny into my life. Uh, God will never do anything we can do for ourselves. While we're standing, I want to say, is, you know the greatest prayer meeting I was ever in when I talk about rising up, rising up. The greatest prayer meeting was in my own local church when I was a pastor in Cheltenham. Now, a few weeks ago, I was in Wembley Arena with, involved with that great prayer celebration, thousands of people. But, you know, it didn't touch the prayer meeting in my local church, and I'll tell you why. It's totally different. It wasn't thousands there, I assure you, in my church. It was just a normal prayer meeting. And I'd asked this guy, this young leader, who I'd brought on board recently, um, to do what we call the 10-minute word. And the 10-minute word was, we read out all the prayer requests, and I get a young leader who doesn't normally preach, just to share for 10 minutes, and it gets him or her um, aware of their own voice and encourages them, you know, to start, perhaps launch them off on preaching. And it's usually just a simple thing from the Psalms, and we always enjoy it, and uh, we don't think, we don't expect much of it. We don't expect the dead to be raised or anything like that. We just expect 10 minutes. So this guy comes up, and he's first time he's ever preached or anything in my church, and he said, uh, I just want to speak for 10 minutes, Pastor, if I may, on how to answer your own prayers. I thought I've made a mistake here. <laughs> You know, if there was a baptismal tank under there and I could press a button and he could disappear, you know. And I know I've got people saying to me, you know, I think he's a bit young to bring on the leadership team, Pastor. And I'm thinking they were probably right. I think, like, no, I'm not thinking they're right. I knew it was okay. But I thought, what's coming next? But I've only got 10 minutes to put up with this. And I'm going to have to apologize for another 10 minutes for what he's going to say. So anyway, so he says, um, I want to preach for 10 minutes on how to answer your own prayers. So there was a disabled center outside... Um, uh, Cheltenham still is actually and there were a number of people coming in a minibus to our church on a Sunday night but more people wanted to come than uh, they had accommodate um, transport for so one of the prayer requests I'd already asked for let's pray for more transportation so he says why don't how about if we don't pray he said how many people pass the star center on the way how you do how many have you got in your car two thank you three seats how many do we need pastor 12 four five six seven. oh we don't need to pray for that then we've all got that sorted <laughs> So the next thing it was, and it was already on the prayer list. It says, um, the next thing is, um, 
we need to pray desperately. Um, our mission in Ghana needs a lot of medical supplies. So let's pray for we, you know, what we could, what, that God will meet the need for our uh, brothers and sisters in Ghana, in Accra, that we may get these medical supplies. He said, Pastor, how if we don't pray? Let's take an offering up. The treasure's eyes lighting up. People getting off in baskets. Don't know how much money was raised. All this money for Ghana. Turn that off the list. He went through, apart from raising the dead, he went through everything. Because people realized spirituality was about rising up. Do you know there's a part of our destiny that you step into your destiny... By taking, you know, I know there's a Chinese proverb, you know, a thousand mile journey starts with a single step. But you see, when I left my house at half five this morning, my headlights went onto the end of my drive. If I said, Lord, I have got destiny, which is coming to King's Church, Cambridge. And I want you, in case you wanted to know what your destiny was tonight. I want you, Lord, this is me praying on my drive in Pammington, my little village. And says, uh, Lord, will you please shine the light onto King's Church in Tennyson Road. And in this darkness, because there's no street lights in our village. In this darkness, I will then move when you show me my destination. I'd still be there now, wouldn't I? What do I do? My headlights go to the bottom of the drive. I engage my gear. As I move, the headlight moves with me. I arise. I engage my... Come on. I arise. I move forward. Before I know where I am, I'm on the A46. Before I know where I am, I'm on the M5. Before I know where I am, I'm in Tennyson Road with the same amount of revelation. With the very same amount of revelation. And so Gideon's headlights went onto the edge of his pit. David's headlights went onto the five stones and the sling. Deborah didn't think about the context that she was a woman. She, her context was how big God is, not how strong she was. And she arose. See, my destiny depends on me arising. What is it? You know, see, think of the gifts of the Spirit. I want to tell you, friends, the gifts of the Spirit are wonderful. I'm a Pentecostal, I'm a charismatic. But the gifts of the Spirit were not intended primarily for the church. They were not. They're called signs and wonders. Now, if you're sick, I want to pray for you. And, you know, if you want to come forward for prayer in a moment, when we've been singing, we're going to pray. I'm going to pray God's blessing and destiny over your life. No question about that. And and if if anybody has a word of knowledge for you, if I have a word of knowledge for you, then I'll give it you. But, you know, words of knowledge, signs and wonders. I don't need a sign. I'm saved. I'm here. How many signs do I need to get to Tennyson Road now? I don't need signs. But if I'm lost, I need a sign. I'm in John Lewis with my wife. This week, getting something in an electrical store. My wife says to me, Marilyn says to me, John, the assistant servant has got a limp. This is Monday, last Monday. I said, I just noticed he's got a limp. I said to him, uh, excuse me, don't embarrass you. He's a guy in his 20s. I said, uh, I don't see you limping. How, 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 is, how are you? Uh, he says, I've got sciatica. Thank you for asking. I've got sciatica. It's driving me mad. He said, it's, you know, it's hard to work even with it. I said, well, I'm a Christian. I didn't say I'm a pastor. He couldn't care less. Or as a general, led healing me. He's not bothered. All he knows is he's got sciatica. And I know that God answers prayer. So I said to you now, come here. 
Do you mind if I pray with you? Would that be okay? I mean, don't start shouting in, in Elizabethan language over people. You know, because you see, they'll all be in Mark's suspenses in two minutes away from John Lewis. So I just said, listen, can, can, I, can I pray with you? And so I pray with him. I'm going to go back uh, tomorrow or the day after seeing, you know, what God's done. I've told him to expect to be healed. My wife and I are at the checkout at Tesco. And she says, I've got a word. We listen, we don't do this. Every, we're not that spiritual. We do it every week. And if you're a shop assistant, keep out of our way. You don't need to. But there are times, friends, signs and wonders are for. And there's a lady, an old lady, and he says, uh, uh, Marilyn says, I've got a word for this lady. Gives her the word for this lady. I say old lady, she's probably younger than me. She's, she's in tears by the checkout till. Next day, we're in another store, Waitrose. We're in Waitrose. And I know, we notice that the lady there has got a splint on her arm. We pray for her. Signs and wonders. You say, I would never dare to do that. Listen, step up, arise. That becomes your destiny. That becomes your destiny. Instead of worrying about, will they think I'm a Bible thumper if I share my faith at work? And I know there are a lot of restrictions on us. But you know what? We get into our destiny when we take a step, when we, when we put in the gears, even though our, our headlights only go a few feet in front of us, a few yards, go into it. Friends, I want to tell you, God's challenging some of you here to do stuff, even stuff like praying for the first time publicly, tithing for the first time, whatever you do. And if you say, well, tithing is not a New Testament principle, giving properly for the first time. Do you know what? I'm 70 years of age. I started tithing with my pocket money when I was a little boy. And my Bible tells me, Malachi 3.10, that if I'm faithful to God, God will bless me. Proverbs 11.28 tells me that if I'm, if, if I'm generous with others, then what happens, it'll be given unto me, pressed down, shaken together. And that's not prosperity teaching. I'm just quoting what the Bible says. Do something for the first time. God says, even in the area of giving, prove me now, says the Lord. Prove me about your destiny. Being used in the things of the Spirit. Father, we just thank you for every man and woman in this place. We thank, thank you for, you for listening, and we, we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless, and goodbye.